You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. Well, Tommy, that game last night, one of the tougher watches of the season. I, I tweeted that to me. This felt like... One of, this felt kind of like the, the game they had against San Antonio that they lost. I thought that was the most unwatchable game of the Knicks season. This is probably right there at number two. Agreed. It was ugly. Uh, it was sloppy, choppy. Um, Knicks didn't play well, and Knicks didn't seem to be missing that oomph, that, that, that energy, um, that, that kind of push that you, that you need to see right from the opening tip. Um, you know, they went down 2-0. Beal hit a, hit a little jumper. Um, Knicks never – tied or regained the lead the rest of the way. Uh, one of only two games of the season um, that the Knicks trailed from, from start to finish. And um, we'll get into some of the reasons why, um, but yeah, uh, from just from a, an aesthetics point of view alone, um, that was an ugly one. Yep. So the Knicks lose a wire to wire defeat to the Wizards, 116-105, which is led by double digits. Pretty much the entire, entire game had the biggest lead of the game at 17 at one point. And we're in control completely for pretty much every facet of the game. Kyle Kuzma led the way with 27 points. Former fan favorite turned Nick Foe. Kristaps Porzingis added 22 points in the Wizards win. For the Knicks side, uh, Jalen Brunson did have another uh, stellar offensive game. He had 32 points in this one. R.J. Barrett added 22. Uh, Julius Randle uh, played arguably his worst game of the season. He scored just 14 points on 6 of 17 shooting. But the biggest loss from the game might be the injury to Mitchell Robinson. He left the game after just nine minutes of action due to a sprained thumb. So, Tommy, why do you feel like the Knicks look so hapless against Washington last night? Because when I watched the game, it felt like a team that was lacking energy. It felt like a team that looked tired and uninterested. And that, to me, starts a conversation about what the Knicks are going to be doing with this uh, rotation and, and if it's sustainable any longer. Uh-oh. EJ, are you gonna call the minutes police on me if I suggest, if I even if I even mention playing time and like am I not cool? Like, will you will look, you call the authorities on me? Look, at this point, Tommy, I think we are the minutes police. It's you know one of those things where at this point it's like I, I think that anytime we talk about it, 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 it becomes a problem. So I, I don't even know if this minutes police to, to call. We, we'll be calling ourselves at this point. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I remain surprised. Um, and, and for those of you that didn't see, 
Um, even in the past couple of days, some of the, the beat reporters, I know the Daily News had a story basically saying Tibbs proven successful, like the haters can't say anything now. And even Newsday had a story uh, last night about, you know, um, I forget what the exact quote was, something to the, to the effect of, um, because the Knicks are a few games over 500, you know, you, you, you can't make a case against Tibbs minutes distribution. Um, and then Tibbs himself prior to the game, I got the quote here, um, asked about the nine sticking with the nine man rotation. Tom Thibodeau replied, I know you guys like to create the narrative for your stories and you don't look at it in totality. I don't think we have any one of the top 20 minutes played. So it is what it is. I think you look at the people in your division, your conference, you look at how they're playing um, their guys. More often than not, you're trying to match up with them. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of the uh, um, something that had been repeated by some of the other, um, like, I, like I mentioned, the beat reporters, basically saying, you know, they're, they're averaging on the season, they're averaging fewer than 36 minutes, 35 minutes. You know, they're in the 20 to 40 range. To me, that is alarming because of the fact that the, the fact that no Nick is in the top 20, despite how incredibly uh, the, the amount of minutes they've logged in the last six weeks right. goes to show you just how much they're playing of late. Um, yeah. you know, I, I broke down the numbers earlier today. First six weeks of the season, Randall averaged 33.1 minutes per game. Over the past six weeks, he's averaging 39.4. Over the first six weeks of the season, Jalen Brunson averaged 32.5 minutes a game. This month, he's averaging over 40. He's played at least 38 in every game in January. Again, it's not a season long. The reason we didn't complain about the minutes in, in November and, and early December is because they weren't playing an excessive amount. Right. The reason the minutes are worth mentioning now is because they're put, you know, Tibbs has his foot to the metal in, you know, he's running at a sprinter's pace. He's, he's in the middle of a marathon, and he's pushing at a sprinter's pace. Did, 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 did he need to do that to kind of turn the season around? Maybe so. You could you could certainly um, – it's not a clear-cut – you know, it's he's an right. idiot and he's making the wrong – it's not a clear-cut – you know, it's not as cut and dry as black and white. Um, you know, you could make the argument that he needed to kind of ratchet things up and get the Knicks on the right side of 500 and, you know, get them some wins. Um, but the reality is that should also be discussed – that was the Knicks' easiest stretch of the schedule. Um, mm -hmm. Up until this point in the season, the Knicks have had the fourth easiest schedule in the NBA. The rest of the season, they have the second most difficult schedule in the NBA. Um, right. So they, they ran up some wins during a part of the season that he felt they needed to. Um, and now, was he robbing Peter to pay Paul? Will that bill come due in, in February and March and April? We'll see. But to to, to dismiss it as as you know, not worthy of the entering in the conversation. That's right. I, 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 you lose me because it, it, again, it's something that you should at least have a conversation about if, you know, it, it, the, and for one thing, certainly you can't tell me that Tibbs is right because of the Knicks record, regardless of what it is on January 19th, tell me he was right because of what their record is on April 19th or after the first round of the playoffs or the playing game, whatever the case might be. Um, let's uh, again, keep in mind the big picture um, and just circling back Back to your initial question, what you know, they looked flat last night. Shots were short. They didn't close out on contests as much. And I think you could argue that it has that one of the factors in that slow, sluggish start was their inability, to, you know, was their being tired the third game in four days. Um, and just, you know, again, they have 40, they have five players averaging over 35 minutes a night. That's a lot in 2023 in today's NBA. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, uh, the whole concept of Tibbs being right now is uh, is really kind of a biased assessment that favors him because the concern we have is something long-term. It's not something short-term. That's like right. saying... Like Tibbs, that's like saying someone decided, look, I'm going to eat cake for dinner for the next three, four months and nothing's going to happen to me. And after the first week, they eat cake and nothing happens to them. They say, see, I ate cake for a week. Nothing happened to me. Why can't I eat cake for four months? And you're like, um, well, something is probably going to happen to you and that's going to be a problem. So, um, yeah, I, I don't understand that. And what I always bugs me, too, when it comes to uh, the coverage of Tibbs and the coverage of this team. And again, I got a lot of respect. and I love a lot of the beat writers, but. The whole they're they're so quick to say see Tibbs is good, but they don't do that for Leon Rose. Like if there's like if there's anybody who could say, Hey, you guys should be off my back, it's Leon Rose for how Jalen Brunson has played, how Quentin Grimes has played in terms of keeping Donovan Mitchell out of that trade. And you don't he doesn't seem to get that kind of respect, even though you could say, Well, it's a long term thing, we gotta see how this goes. Okay, that's fair too. Just like this Tibbs thing and them being just four games above five hundred, playing Julius Randle to the max. Um, that is also a short-term thing. Let's see how this goes for a whole season. So it, it seems to be uneven in terms of how they divvy out who deserves credit and who deserves blame. I also find it odd that Tibbs thinks that there's a narrative being created against him. Again, I think he gets great coverage from this press corps, to be honest. I, they don't criticize him that much. They don't go after him that much. Um, they they very, very carefully will kind of poke and prod maybe a little bit when the fans really get out of control. But otherwise, I, I don't know what he's talking about in terms of a narrative being created. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I think that when I watched that game um, on on Wednesday night, I, I saw a team that just did not have the energy. And, and the, the one guy who I look at is Julius Randle, who has really been pushed to the limit. And again, I don't really blame him. I mean, he's playing extremely hard. I didn't think his defense was great last night, but I do think he's tired. He did have 15 rebounds. Again, three straight games, 15 rebounds. So he's, he's killing it on the glass. But his shot just looked broken. I mean, him and Rui were having a brick off last night. I mean, both of those guys, they shot. It was just hide your eyes. Those shots weren't even close. And look, they're going to need Julius Randle, clearly. And 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 he had that 140-point game against the Pistons, and he played great on Sunday. But if you kind of look at this next, this last four to five-game stretch, he's not shooting the ball that well. And I, I am starting to wonder if he's hitting the wall. And with Obi Toppin returning to the line, this is where you think he would lighten up on his minutes and maybe give him a little bit more of a blow but it, it just seems like the the Knicks are, are just committed to saying we got six guys that we know can can really contribute and we're just gonna play those guys as much as we can I thought that was a game last night where it hurt them you see you saw they couldn't close out on the three-point shooters you saw that with just ability to beat them off the dribble and they just they just didn't have it and they didn't have it and and as they go through now this tougher stretch coming up, they have, you know, a, a few more games that you, quote, unquote, say winnable. But it's about to get really tough. And um, if they're already starting to hit the wall now, that's, that's that could be a problem as, as we kind of close out this season. 
hundred percent. This is the first time this season that Randall has shot thirty-five percent or below in three in in back-to-back games. Um, and you just got to wonder, you know, he, he he played so well in that December to January stretch. I think part of that was because he wasn't overworked from November to mid mid December. Exactly. Um, you know, so you kind of, you know, you, you build that in. And then, yeah, the, yeah and you mentioned Obi. Um, I'd like to say that Obi should get more time, but it's just, it's seeming more and more likely that Obi's just not going to pop here in New York, whether it's a combination, you know, with Thibodeau and with, with the head coach and the starting power forward kind of entrenched in, you know, in what they do and what they give on a, on a nightly basis. It's tough. I mean, Obi's just standing in the corner now. He's basically yeah. relegated to, you know, what he was early, you know, uh, for most of last season, which is, you know, a glorified version of Steve Novak, where he just stands in the left-hand corner and, and chucks up a couple threes. It's just, it's not proper utilization of him. Um, maybe he just hasn't progressed. His game hasn't progressed enough to the point where he's capable of more, I would argue that uh, I'm not, I, I'm not positive, you know, that that's the case because we saw the final five games of last season when he averaged like 27, eight, nine, or, you know, what you know, put up those crazy numbers and was knocking down threes, et cetera. And more importantly, taking the ball to the basket. Um, I think his kind of last chance here, and we got, you know, we're three, four weeks away from the deadline, like three weeks away from the deadline. Um, is if he gets some chance to play that four and five combination alongside Randall. Because even if you, even if you, you know, limit Randall's minutes, we know he's not going to go from 40 to 31, you know, maybe he goes like the 35. Um, so we'll see. Um, but again, I think obviously with, we'll see on Mitchell Robinson and we'll get into that later, but that's an enormous um, uh, injury. It's, it's hard to overstate how important yeah. he is, especially on the defensive and, end. I do want to mention Robinson in a second, but we mentioned Obi, his lack of production and effectiveness. It's something we talked about a couple of podcast episodes ago that I think may be affecting him now as he returns. We talked about how the Knicks earlier in the season were essentially a fast-breaking up-and-down team. They were one of the top teams when it comes to pace. And I think Obi, so if you remember how he started the season, he started playing, he was playing so well. It really looked like, man, if if Randall plays any any decent, like his days are numbered, like they're gonna get him out of there and Obi's gonna be the four. That's how well he was playing for those first five to 10 games of the season as Knicks were kind of racing up and down the court. The Knicks are now one of the worst teams when it comes to pace. I say worse and like their offense has been good, but they're not high in, in pace numbers. And I think Obi's returned to a team that is now living in the half court. And if, in the Knicks offense, if you're living in a half court, his role in it is to just stand in the corner. Um, yeah. they, they don't move him enough. They don't do a lot. So because it's heavy uh, reliance on isolation and heavy reliance on, creating switch switches and mismatches for certain guys it doesn't really it doesn't really accentuate his strengths so i think in some ways he got hurt and returned to a team that fits him even worse than it did before at least before they were playing up and down now they're playing at more of a, a snail's pace in, in today's nba of course if this team played in 2021 2001 they'd be the fastest pace team in the nba but, but they're less, 30 30th in the nba pace over the last six weeks Exactly. So he's returned to a team now that is the, probably the worst fit for him, maybe in the NBA. He's the guy that has to be getting up and down. And he's playing with the slowest paced team in the league. So I, I think when we talk about what has been his problems with with being more impactful, um, it is his role. But also the fact that the Knicks don't get up, get up and down the court. He's getting no easy baskets. And that's where he used to kill teams. I mean, he's one of the, fa- he's one of the fastest guys in the, in the league and the Knicks are not using that at all. So uh, that's where his his production has, has has suffered. That's unfortunate. This Mitchell Robinson injury, or this thumb injury, uh, how much does this impact the Knicks here? I mean, Mitchell Robinson, 
I think we saw in that game how impactful he is on the glass. All of a sudden, Chris Asporzingas was just a monster on the glass last night. I mean, they they could not contain him on the offensive glass. And a lot of that had to do with Mitchell Robinson not being in there. So if you're talking about this, you know, a thumb injury, you know, we've seen some guys be able to play through uh, torn ligaments and, and things of that nature. So so maybe there's something he plays through. Uh, maybe it's something he needs surgery and he has to sit out a month or two. But uh, if he's out for a considerable amount of time, what does this mean for the Knicks? Yeah, I, I mean, make no mistake, it's it, they, they are a completely different team when he's on the floor, especially with how poorly Isaiah Hardenstein's played for most right. of the season, especially the last couple months, last couple of weeks. I mean, just around the rim, it just cannot buy a bucket. Um, gave up an offensive rebound late in, in the fourth quarter yesterday uh, to Beal. Um, you know, just for, for whatever positives he brings to the table, he's a lot different player than Mitchell Robinson and Mitchell Robinson just fits in, fits in really well alongside the Randall and Brunson, um, and, and Grimes kind of uh, triumvirate, um, where Hardenstein just doesn't bring that to the table. So, um, Mitch Rob on the season, uh, his individual net rating is plus 3.6 per 100 possessions. That's tied with Emmanuel quickly for the highest on the team. Um, and it matches the eye test. The Knicks just perform better. Um, as a cohesive unit when Mitch Rob is back there, again, especially on the defensive end, we protects the basket, rebounds. And even when he doesn't rebound, he's a good at blocking out. That's a lot of reason why Randall's rebound numbers are so high. Mitch Rob isn't one of those bigs that chases rebounds. He's content um, to let, you know, his front court partner, power forward, uh, gobble up a lot of the rebounds, um, whereas Mitch attacks more on the offensive glass. Those extra possessions that he gets the Knicks, um, you know, unfortunately, we're just going to have to wait. It doesn't make a lot of sense to speculate. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon as we await word on, on what Mitchell Robinson, but if he's out for an extended period of time, um, it's going to shake things up. It's going to make the trade conversation interesting. Are the Knicks comfortable going with um, Hartenstein and Sims, which most teams don't have three good centers. The Knicks do have, so they have, you know, a, a, a decent quality, um, especially what we thought Hartenstein would bring coming into the season. Maybe, hopefully, they play um, Randall at the five and Obi at the four a little bit more often. Um, so we'll see how that plays itself out. But that obviously shakes up um, – what we can expect from the Knicks going forward, especially as they enter into um, a, a different, a difficult stretch of the schedule. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mitchell Robinson, he's one of the more valuable players on the Knicks. I mean, we, we talk about how important Brunson and Randall are, but it's me what Mitchell Robinson does defensively, what Mitchell Robinson does on the class, on the officer's lap, particularly the Knicks don't really have anybody else like him. Um, so when he goes out, it's very noticeable. And to me, it was extremely noticeable last night. Um, the Wizards were able to do whatever they wanted offensively. And it started with the fact that the Knicks really had no answer in defending the rim. And the Knicks, the, they saw that the Wizards be able to get into the paint, uh, score at the basket or get into the paint and throw it out to three point shooters. And, and it was a, it was, it was, it was a tough watch watching the Knicks try to guard a Wizards team that is decent offensively, but they, they, they made the Wizards look like one of the best off teams in the league last night um, with Mitch Robinson out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Wizards outside the top 20 in three-point percentage, um, shot nearly 40% from three. They were 7-12 to 12 in the first quarter. Um, and a lot of the, Again, a lot of those were open looks as the Knicks just didn't seem to have the legs to get out and chase guys. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and again, it's the minutes that the Knicks play, and also the style that they play. They want to ground and pound and, um, you know, make it difficult. Tibbs demands, you know, that, 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 that the, a certain way that they play, so it's like extra minutes on top of that. You know, we know love, Tibbs loves playing drop defense. It's one of those yep. buzz words for this season. I hope that if Mitchell Robinson is gone, you see the Knicks do more switching. Um, Hardenstein, maybe not as much, but Jericho Sims can switch on to a yes. lot of different players. He's very quick on the perimeter. And even though he's a very athletic, he kind of has short arms, so he's not necessarily the greatest rim protector. 
So I, I thought one of the mistakes the mix Knicks made last night, because you know, Tibbs making an adjustment in a game, ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> was the fact that we didn't see them actually start switching more. Um, but once Mitchell Robinson went out, I would hope that uh you'd see that more if Mitch Robinson's gone. I hope that you would see more uh four or five OB and Randall lineups because as we saw the Knicks. If Robinson's out, they're not going to be a good rebounding team. Like that's just it is what it is. Like they're not going to be able to out rebound people. That's not going to become a strength anymore. So um, they're going to need some scoring pop. They're going to need some offense. They're going to have to play a more up tempo style. So this is where we talk about you know Tiz deserving credit. Okay, this is where you earn your paycheck. You lose one of your best players. How do you adjust with the guys you have? Knicks have talented players. It's not like this is okay. The Knicks lose Mitch Robinson. The season's over. They they should be able to to hold water here just a little bit. You can't let, you know, you can't let go of the rope now because you lose Mitch. So I, I'm really hoping we do see those adjustments. Um, one of the other last things I want to talk about with this game was Chris Saskorzingis because, oh, it was interesting last night. It felt like the, the, the normal Chris Stapp's visit to New York has usually been extremely hostile. It didn't feel as hostile as it's been in the past. Um, we saw Chris Stapp's last week speak about how he felt like you know, he things could have been better in New York, and he thought that you know every other city was like New York playing it uh, in the NBA. He's learned that, that that nothing's like the Mecca, nothing's like Madison Square Garden. And I, I was actually surprised that he kind of continued this chatter even in even to uh, Wednesday night because he he was asked about it again and he spoke at length about it. And I want you guys to hear what he had to say because I was surprised he went this far talking about what happened in this game but basically he had said that uh the trade the way the trade happened some dumb stuff uh some cryptic tweets the process was just a mess i didn't like the way things ended and that wasn't how i wanted it to end i mean tommy what did you make of what you heard from chris Stapps yesterday i thought it was interesting um I, I i find it i found it very interesting actually the whole starting with the um interview with nba.com where he kind of echoed similar sentiments to me, it, it it sounded like, an, and I tweeted, it was kind of like an ex that's kind of checking in, you know, like just trying to lay the groundwork of possibly getting back together with an old flame, you know, just trying mm-hmm. to see if, if, you know, if that, if there, if there were hard feelings, obviously we, when we broke up, I said some things I shouldn't have said, you probably said some things you regret as well. Um, but now with the uh, years gone by, maybe some other relationships that fizzled out. I maybe didn't appreciate what we had when we had it. Um, you know, he was a 21 year old kid. He's without calling out his brothers. He said, some people got in my ear and, you know, and, yeah. and, said, and advised me to do some things that, that I probably shouldn't have done. Um, so it just looks like he kind of looks back, uh, you know, on the, on his experience in New York. Um, and it doesn't reflect properly as, as how much he loved it during the time. Um, you know, it's like, you know, again, when you're in a relationship, you know, emotions run high and low. Um, and I think because he was so happy here and embr- and he was so embraced by the city, um, that's why it made the breakup so difficult from both the fans and the, and the player perspective. Um, but f- for me, that's just kind of laying the groundwork as, as giving himself options. Maybe he's just smartly, maybe his agent has advised him, hey, it's good if you have, if you have New York um 
uh, you know, I, bidding, you know, yeah, whatever right, you're a free agent, yeah. no matter what sport you're in, you know, like you want to, you want to bid, right. you want, you want a New York team to be in the bidding. Um, uh, but yeah, no, but it, honestly to me, like just how honest and forthright he was, it, it did seem like, um, he wanted to, he hoped to kind of give it another chance at some point in the future. He, he'll be a free, he, he has a player option after this season. Um, I don't expect him to leave 35 plus million on the table. Um, but should he hit unrestricted free agency the year after that, um, who knows what happens where the Knicks are, et cetera. And he's still risky due to the injuries, et cetera. Um, but he's a talented big man. I, I personally would love to see um, him to return to the garden at some point um, and, 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 you know, just try to, uh, you know, everyone loves a, a, a good, you know, a story with a happy ending. And I think both sides would like it at some point if, and when that, that time presents itself. Yeah. And let me, let me try, uh, let me try one more time to you guys to hear Chris Sapps in his own words about, uh, what went down with the Knicks here? Okay. But, um, I think. Uh, I think just you know the way the trade happened. Like I did some dumb stuff, like some cryptic tweets and some what 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 was that? The whole process was just a mess, you know. Okay. Um, so I didn't like the way things ended. I'm not. That wasn't like how I wanted it to end. If it did end, you know. And uh, and yeah, it's just I kind of try to stay myself throughout this whole time you know not do anything not say anything uh, if i should have said anything it was right after i got traded now it's it's too late and i think now maybe fans are, are eating up on me and kind of understanding I was, it was what it was at that moment when i was young and and, and i got traded and you know of course i was hurt and that's why i put some some dumb tweets out there or whatever i did and, and but i think people are starting to maybe forgive me a little bit and, and, and we're moving past that so yeah i mean chris Daps, look, he talks about that he was hurt and that could have led to him deciding well he put some tweets out because you know he couldn't let his play do the talking at that time so he's like let me i actually do my, my, my let my talking do the talking uh there and look at the end of the day like I don't know. <laughs> I, I, with Chris Stapps, you know, it's, it's like when you have those relationships with people, you say, you know, what's your relationship with Chris Stapps? You're like, ah, uh, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's how I feel with Chris Stapps. It's like, you know, first of all, to me, like when he got traded, I said, look, he's ultimate New York villain. Like, get this clown out of here. And years have gone by. Uh, I still think he acted like a clown when he was here. And, you know, I think, is it appreciative? Do you like hearing, hey, I was probably dumb with how I approached that? Yeah, it doesn't hurt per se. Does it mean that I, I'm wishing for a, a return? Not really at this point. You know, I think we've seen, you know, him not live up to the billing and, and the potential that a lot of people saw from him with the Knicks. Uh, but it, it is nice to see that he's, I guess, moved on from the whatever situation that that, that he had and the issues he had with the Knicks in New York. And um, in some ways, I think if there was anything I, I, I did enjoy hearing from him, it was the adage that, you know, this place is not like other places because how often have you we, we've seen especially as nick fans people try to tell you that what you offer what you have to offer in the fan base in the atmosphere of master of the garden is not special we i mean we've heard that now for decades at this point and it, it's it's nonsense now it doesn't mean that you these players that decide not to go to nick should have overlooked that um and said well look they have a bad team that's why i'm not going and that's fine but a lot of times it's been the you know Kevin Durant they're not cool anymore and you know and, and and you know there's special places all around the NBA. I think for a former Nick who wanted out is now left in the scene. The grass is not so green on the other side to come back and say, hey, what 
the Knicks have with Madison Square Garden and that fan base, especially and for me to throw that away the way I did was stupid. And I think that Chris Apps understands that, so I can appreciate that. But very interesting comments from Chris Apps Porzingis. And they there are segmented Nick fans who do want him back. I mean, that I, I, I've seen it out there. Um, look, and now you have a Mitch Robinson injury, so I'm sure that maybe those uh, those that chorus will get louder. I, I would be surprised if he ever comes back, especially given um, – how do we put this with James Dolan? He remembers everything. Let me just say that. So James Dolan remembers everything. So will he be so ready to, you know, put – know that aside and, and bring back someone like Porzingis it would surprise me but it's sport so uh so never say never with anything but Knicks do lose a game um a game which was not all that interesting but I thought the comments after the game were, were very interesting